And a good Friday morning. We're following some developing news out of Russia. Yeah, one of Vladimir Putin's biggest rivals, now dead. It is February the 16th. This is today. Breaking news, Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader and longtime thorn in the side of the Kremlin, found dead at a Russian prison. The 47-year-old jailed after being charged with extremism against Putin's regime. We'll have the very latest from the region. Courtroom drama, the prosecutor in Georgia's stolen election case against Donald Trump on the stand and facing tough questioning. If you're confused, these people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial. One of several high-profile cases against the Republican frontrunner now playing out in courtrooms across the country. We'll break it all down. Bombshell, a key informant in the case against Hunter Biden, charged with lying to the FBI. Prosecutors say he gave false information about the president and his son. That information used by Republicans to launch an impeachment inquiry. Democrats now demanding the probe be dropped. So what's next? We're live at the White House. Coming together, an overnight vigil in Kansas City honoring the victims of that mass shooting at the Chiefs' victory parade. The family of the beloved mother who was killed now speaking out. She was a very wholesome, very caring, very loving individual. Their emotional message and what police believe now sparked the violence. Those stories plus, let it snow. Nearly 50 million people from the Midwest to New England waking up to winter storm alerts. The full forecast and what it means for your weekend straight ahead. And league of her own, Caitlin Clark puts on a show shattering the woman's scoring record and more. A new career high. A new Iowa women's basketball record. We're going for them all. The many highlights and how she's being honored by fans and other greats of the game. Today, Friday, February 16th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to today. It is a Friday. We're glad you're with us. Savannah is off this morning. It didn't take Caitlin long no. to break that record, did it? No. A couple of minutes into the first quarter. Shattered Boom. the record. And I yeah. thought it was most appropriate that she did it with her signature shot. <laughs> yes. Almost from half court. Wow. So we'll We're have good. more on that record-breaking night in just a moment. But we do want to get to our breaking news. Just this morning, Russian state media is reporting Alexei Navalny, the jailed opposition leader and main Vladimir Putin critic, has died. NBC's Richard Engel joins us now. He's got the very latest on this. Richard, uh, what are the late breaking details? Uh, so good morning, Hoda. This is not just any critic of the Kremlin. This is Alexei Navalny, the most famous, most outspoken uh, thorn in the side of Vladimir Putin. Uh, he has been in prison in Russia. And just in December, he was moved from a prison not far from Moscow to a very remote facility uh, above the north of the Arctic Circle in Siberia. And according to uh, prison authorities, he went for a walk this morning, immediately began 
began feeling unwell, that he lost consciousness, that he was given medical treatment, that the medical attempts to uh, revive him were unsuccessful, and that his death was confirmed by prison authorities, and that Vladimir Putin has been made aware of his death. Uh, there will be many, however, who treat this with a lot of skepticism, especially after Vladimir Putin has been accused numerous times of having his political rivals assassinated. As Russia's leading opposition figure, Alexei Navalny piled pressure on the Kremlin and put a target on his back. Born in 1976 in what was then the Soviet Union, Navalny trained as a lawyer and rose to prominence as a political blogger. In 2011, he started the Anti-Corruption Foundation, which exposed the extravagant wealth of Russian officials, including President Vladimir Putin. The, the biggest thing that Putin is afraid of is, is uh, public discontent in Russia, and that is why it's so afraid of opposition leaders. Navalny's and Putin's stars were intertwined. As Putin tightened his grip on power, Navalny became a leading figure at anti-government protests. We will force them to live by the law because we hold the power here, he shouted. He was arrested countless times and turned attacks to his advantage. In 2017, after announcing his intentions to run for president, Navalny was attacked with green dye, twice. Maybe the Kremlin thinks that I will not record videos with a green face, he said, but now even more people will watch. In 2019, as Navalny's anti-corruption foundation gained support nationally, police raided their offices and arrested several activists, including, of course, Navalny. But in 2020, his life was threatened like never before. On a plane traveling from Siberia to Moscow, Navalny became deathly ill. He fell into a coma and was put on a ventilator. While recovering in a German hospital, investigators revealed he had been poisoned with Novichok, a Soviet-era neurotoxin. Navalny blamed Putin for the attack, a claim the Kremlin denies. Miraculously, Navalny recovered and participated in the investigation into his own poisoning, documenting the whole thing on social media. Despite the threats against his life, in January 2021, Navalny and his wife Yulia voluntarily returned to Moscow, where he was immediately arrested, ostensibly for violating the terms of a 2014 embezzlement case. Once in jail, he was tried and sentenced to more than nine years in a maximum security prison. Navalny said the charges were politically motivated. But even behind bars, he found ways to make his voice heard, using social media to protest the Ukraine war and needle those in power. His legacy is one of defiance, a constant thorn in the side of the Kremlin. A legacy of defiance and a legacy of bravery. He was arrested numerous times, then poisoned, then was out of the country, went back into the country knowing that he would be arrested as soon as he set foot on Russian soil. And now, according to prison authorities, he died in a Siberian prison. Uh, Navalny's team have not confirmed his death and his lawyer is on the way to the penal colony above the Arctic Circle. All right, Richard Engel with those late-breaking details. Richard, thank you. Meanwhile, back here at home, we are following several high-profile cases shaping the world of politics, including Donald Trump's legal battles. Here in New York, a date has now been set in his hush money trial after Trump's lawyers failed to have the case dismissed or delayed. It came amid fiery testimony from the district attorney in Georgia over a separate case concerning election interference 
And a decision is coming in the civil fraud case that could affect Trump's business empire. Meanwhile, in Washington, an FBI informant has been indicted for allegedly lying to a special counsel about President Biden and his son Hunter during the 2020 campaign. We've got it all covered for you this morning, starting with NBC's legal senior legal correspondent, Laura Jarrett. Laura, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning to you. A major setback for the former president here in New York now that he can no longer avoid at least one of his criminal trials before the November election. But he may have found strategic advantage in Georgia, a very different case now hitting a major detour. This morning, more testimony expected in Fulton County, Georgia, after District Attorney Fonnie Willis unloaded on the stand Thursday. It is a lot. It is a lot. Trying to defend her reputation and save her election interference case against the former president as defense attorneys try to get her kicked off. You're confused. You think I'm on trial. These people are on trial for trying to steal an election in 2020. I'm not on trial. Willis combative at times. No, 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 no. This is the truth. Sparring with defense attorneys over when she began a relationship with top prosecutor Nathan Wade and whether it started before she tapped him to lead the Trump case. In November of 2021, I hired him. I do not consider our relationship to have become romantic until early of 2022. That timeline differing from the one offered by Willis's former friend testifying Thursday their relationship started years before. You have no doubt that their romantic relationship was in effect from 2019 until the last time you spoke with her. No doubt. At issue for the judge to resolve, whether Willis benefited financially from hiring Wade, as defense attorneys have highlighted the pair's vacations together. I don't need anything from a man. A man is not a plan. A man is a companion. Painting it all as a conflict of interest in order to upend the entire prosecution. While in New York, a different Trump trial moves full steam ahead. Jury selection now set for March 25th in the case where prosecutors accuse Mr. Trump of trying to bury a hush money payment to a porn star before the 2016 election. An allegation Mr. Trump has pled not guilty to, the judge refusing to dismiss the charges. I shouldn't be in a courthouse for something that virtually every legal scholar says they don't understand that there's no crime. Even if he was guilty of something, there's no crime. I mean, so many moving parts here, Laura. Meanwhile, you've got the president, former President Trump, waiting for a ruling on a separate third trial yes. today. Yes, what, this is that? the civil fraud trial here in New York. We're waiting for a decision from the judge. It's a bench trial. We expect it later today. $370 million fine. That's the penalty he could potentially be facing, potentially losing his namesake company. We'll see where it goes. We expect a decision later today. All right. Laura Jarrett. Laura, thank you. Thank you, Laura. Also this morning, the impeachment inquiry of President Biden by House Republicans may be in jeopardy. A significant figure in their case now indicted by the Justice Department on charges of lying to the FBI about the president and his son, Hunter. NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander joins us now. He's got the very latest. Hey, Peter, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. This is really a dramatic new development. Democrats are now urging House Republicans to abandon their impeachment inquiry in the wake of this indictment. The Justice Department says a longtime confidential FBI informant, a man by the name of Alexander Smirnov, allegedly provided false information about President Biden and his son to an FBI agent, including explosive allegations that the Bidens took millions of dollars in bribes. 
This morning, House Republicans' case for impeaching President Biden may be falling apart after special counsel David Weiss charged a former FBI informant with lying about financial ties between President Biden, his son Hunter, and a Ukrainian energy company, Burisma. Top Democrats now calling on the GOP to abandon the impeachment inquiry. Even Donald Trump's handpicked special counsel, Mr. Weiss, has now brought charges against this confidential human informant who turns out presumably, allegedly, to have been engaged in a fraud from the very beginning. Those Burisma allegations are the focus of House Republicans' push for impeachment. According to the Justice Department, Alexander Smirnov was arrested in Las Vegas after returning from a trip overseas. A 37-page indictment alleges Smirnov had been a confidential source for the FBI since 2010 and that he provided false derogatory information to the FBI about both Bidens after Joe Biden became a candidate for president in 2020. The DOJ says the source falsely claimed officials at Burisma said they hired Hunter because his father would protect them and that the Bidens were paid $5 million each. Following Smirnov's indictment, the House GOP said its impeachment inquiry does not rely on the informant's claims, even though top Republicans have amplified his false allegations for months. A highly credible FBI source alleges that Joe Biden received $5 million in exchange for pressuring for the firing of a Ukrainian prosecutor. A source familiar with the matter tells NBC News Hunter Biden does not know the individual who was charged and does not believe he ever met him. In December, Hunter Biden acknowledged past financial struggles, but called House Republicans' quest to impeach his father baseless. There's no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. A new overnight, Hunter Biden's attorney tells NBC News the top House Republicans had been warned that they, quote, built their conspiracies about Hunter and his family on lies told by people with agendas, not facts. Smirnov made his initial court appearance yesterday in Las Vegas. A judge ordered him held pending a detention hearing next Tuesday. Greg and Hoda. All right, Peter, thank you. And also a programming note, Kristen Welker will have the very latest from D.C., including the presidential race Sunday morning on Meet the Press. Meanwhile, some new details are emerging this morning on that frightening mass shooting at the Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. We are now learning a little bit more about what led to it as more survivors and heroes are sharing their pretty remarkable stories. NBC's Jesse Kirsch in Kansas City for us once again this morning. Jesse, good morning. Craig, good morning. Just minutes ago here outside of where the rally and then shooting occurred, championship Chiefs banners were taken down at Union Station. But there are also projections up on the building now that say Kansas City strong. A reminder that even as the confetti and the other debris is cleaned up here, memories of the violence remain. Overnight at a candlelight vigil, the Kansas City community grieving and outraged. You've got to protect us. I'm scared as hell. After the city Super Bowl celebration devolved into deadly chaos. Authorities say they recovered several firearms and have two juveniles in custody. But so far, no official word on criminal charges. This appeared to be a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. And this morning, we're seeing more images from the unfolding horror. One mother and daughter hiding under a car and desperately calling 911. Uh, there is gunshots. This video appears to show the massive crowd at the rally when gunshots first rang out. Some fans begin to flee, but many more seem unaware 
that nearby, a 43-year-old mother of two was gunned down. It's a big loss. Lisa Lopez Galvan was a local radio DJ and huge Chiefs fan. Her family says what was supposed to be a celebration with her son turned into a nightmare. Both were shot, but only he survived. Lisa was a lot more than just a number. She was a very wholesome, very caring, very loving individual. Officials revealing of the 22 people wounded, at least half are under age 16. The youngest person shot, eight years old. In a new year that's only 46 days old, this was at least the 48th mass shooting of four or more people, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Another American tragedy fueling familiar outrage. What is happening here? Have, have we been, have we become that numb? Have we become that calloused? Thankfully, Bridget Barden says at one point she was this close to the rally stage. When gunshots rang out, she pushed her 13-year-old daughter to the ground. I saw the shooter because he was like that and my daughter was screaming. So you saw someone with a gun? Oh yeah, I saw the guns. Barden says this bullet fragment struck her backpack just inches from her body. I've been through some traumatizing things that well, that changed my life, and this, this is probably the worst. And a short time ago, we also learned that overnight, Taylor Swift, who has arguably become the world's most famous Kansas City Chiefs fan this season, has donated $100,000 to a crowdfund that says it is set up to help the family of Lisa Lopez Galvan, who lost her life here. Craig. Jesse Kirschforce once again there in Kansas City. Jesse, thank you. We've got a lot more to get to, including a noticeable shift by American consumers. So after spending freely over the holiday shoppers, they pulled back in January, leading to a larger than expected drop in retail sales. But but it was a good day on Wall Street. The S&P 500 hit a new record high. The Dow gained nearly 350 points. So let's break it all down and the impact on us, NBC senior business correspondent Christine Robins Romans is here. Christine, I'm confused. We sure. said it's good, and then we said it's bad. And what? So, what do all these numbers mean? Let's start with the consumer. The consumer is saying, after holding up the economy for the better part of two or three years, we want cheap stuff. We don't like these higher prices anymore. We don't like price hikes from our favorite brands, and they are chasing cheap. They really oh. are. And you can hear from these CEOs who a year ago were saying, every time we raise prices, the consumer absorbs it. They still buy. Now yeah. these CEOs are saying, uh-oh, uh -oh. these oh. consumers are price sensitive. They are looking for store brands. They are looking for discounts. And they are voting with their wallets wow. against high inflation. So this is a new shift where I think the consumer is in the uh, in the driver's seat here. On the stock market, mm -hmm. this, why would the stock market yeah. rise Explain. if consumer spending fell? It's because... Falling consumer spending and a more frugal consumer feeds into the soft landing. If the consumer isn't just buying stuff if prices are rising, that actually can help inflation. So the idea here is that inflation is, is peaking and yeah. will level off here. The overall economy is still strong and investors certain, certainly loved it. So mm -hmm. if you have a 401k, you can peak this morning okay. because uh, it's probably doing OK over the past okay. year. Really quickly, Christina, folks are trying to, to plan their finances sure. over the next few months, trying to budget, maybe even over the, over the next few years. Yep. What would this what could this mean for them? So if we can really achieve this soft landing in the economy, which is slowing inflation, mm -hmm. an economy that's still strong, no recession, that's good for your job. That's good for your finances overall. If you're looking to refinance your mortgage, I would say later this year is the better bet. You ask me this all the time, yeah. Loda, about mortgages because yeah. people really care about this. You know, the mortgage rate is back the 30-year fix. That's the favorite one. It's back at 7%. Seven I think your chance for a window for refinancing has just moved further into the end of the year, so plan accordingly. All right.
right. Christine Great Rollins. To you Great to morning. see you. Happy weekend, girl. Okay. Yeah. Uh, time now for that first check of the weather, including some some winter storms that could impact your weekend. Dylan, in for Al this Dylan. morning. Dylan, good morning, guys. Christine, if I knew you in college, I would have done so much better in economics. <laughs> like, I get it now. Uh, yes, we do have more snow. That's a, a quick-moving storm system. It's a clipper system that's just going to race through the Midwest and then eventually into the Northeast. By this evening, I think the commute could be a little tricky, especially back through Indiana into Ohio, down into northern Kentucky. And then overnight is when we're going to see it mostly impact the East Coast in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Washington, D.C. I think it would be about 10 p.m. to midnight tonight. Hopefully it all exits by the time we get into Saturday morning. So it's just going to dump a little bit of snow, a couple of inches back through the Ohio River Valley, higher amounts through the higher elevations back through Pennsylvania into West Virginia. And I'd say about an inch or two up and down the East Coast. Again, that's tonight into very early tomorrow morning. And that's your latest forecast. All right. Thank you, Dylan. Just ahead, a new lawsuit that's getting a lot of attention this morning for its troubling claims about those popular dating apps. Emily Aketa's on that one for us. Hey, guys. Good morning to you. Popular dating app Hinge, their catchphrase is designed to be deleted, but a group of users say they don't believe that to be the case. Coming up, the Valentine's Day lawsuit slamming dating apps for putting profits over love. All right, Em, thank you. Plus, a controversial look nearly 30 years later at the murder of music icon Selena. What the woman convicted in the case is now claiming in a new documentary and the reaction from the late star's family. But first, this is Today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed now will you throw some of those down here okay al's drinking We remember that was a moment in the history books. That was last summer. Craig sunk that shot. Cornhole on the plaza. By the way, I don't know if you know this, Craig, but this sport is so big. There's there's actually a future in it. Two high school seniors in Colorado (laughs) got scholarships to play in college. They are the very first Division I recruits in the country and they're taking their talents to a university that you know well, Craig, yeah. Winthrop University okay. in the fall. My, my brother is a proud Winthrop Eagles grad. Oh, really? Rock Hill, South Carolina. All had no right. idea they had a cornhole. By the way, <laughs> cornhole would have been the only collegiate sport where I actually <laughs> yeah, you could, maybe do could, it. Have, could have played. Yeah, you That's got a good hand. You got a good hand. All right. We're going to do that again this summer, by the way, in a whole Oh, good. Weekend. I like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm into practicing. that. First up this half hour, though, a new twist in the search 
For love. A lawsuit brought on Valentine's Day, no less, is taking aim at popular dating apps. NBC's Emily Aketa is here with that story. Emily, good morning. Hey guys, good morning. We've all heard of them. Tinder, Hinge, The League. They've become popular ways of dating in the modern world. In fact, they now lead to serious relationships, including marriage, for roughly 20% of U.S. couples under the age of 30. But a group of users are blasting those platforms for allegedly rolling out addictive features and putting profits over love. Whether it's stumbling into a dreamy British bookstore or a matching drink order at a bar, the days of coincidental meet-cutes appear to be fading as technology dominates the dating scene. I'm about to go on my second hinge date two days in a row. An estimated 300 million people around the world use dating apps, an industry that raked in nearly $5 billion in revenue in 2022. But a lawsuit filed on Valentine's Day argues that's not the case and that popular dating apps Tinder, Hinge and The League are portrayed by their owner Match Group as effective tools for establishing off-app relationships while secretly doing everything in its power to capture and sustain paying subscribers and keep them on app. Ryan Clarkson is representing the six plaintiffs. What about these apps make them addictive? It's the gamification of relationships, the infinite scroll and swiping features, the the use of rewards, the ever increasing, uh, increasingly expensive subscription fees. Match wholeheartedly disagrees, calling the lawsuit ridiculous and writing, we actively strive to get people on dates every day and off our apps. An eHarmony survey in the UK found 9 in 10 singles who use online dating platforms believe they are addicted, and 7 in 10 think it has a negative impact on their mental health. I'd say it was an awful experience. While criticism of dating apps focuses on adults, it comes as tech companies face mounting scrutiny over allegedly employing addictive features and contributing to the youth mental health crisis. New York City suing several social media platforms this week, who all say they strive to keep people safe. Clarkson hopes his lawsuit and others alike help slow the scrolling in a screen-weary world. We all need to kind of shed a light on any of these technologies that foment addiction so if you're one of the millions of people exploring dating apps, psychologists suggest take things slowly, looking carefully at a profile before swiping. It is not a numbers game. Focus on one or two dating apps and set aside time for scrolling so it doesn't impede on your entire day. Guys, mm. I still believe the meat cutes are out there, though. I think that I, I think they're out, out there and yeah. happening. Yeah. So yeah. I don't even know meat cutes. <laughs> it's the organic way of meeting. Like, oh, stumbling. See, I don't even someone. know the verbiage. I'm, like, I'm, like, like, I'm over here like, what does that mean? Thank you for the education. All right. Still ahead, guys. A talented woman making baseball and broadcasting history. She was just named the first ever female lead voice of a major league team. We're going to celebrate Jenny Kavnar when she joins us here live. It's going to be a great story. Yeah. First, though, Chloe Malas is here with some controversy surrounding a new documentary about the murder of music icon Selena. Good morning. The woman who killed Selena is speaking out in a new docuseries claiming there's more to the story. We'll have that for you next. Join Hoda Kotfi for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. 
I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. If you ever needed to be persuaded that bad things can happen anywhere, then take a journey with us. From compelling mysteries to in-depth investigations, our Dateline episodes are available as podcasts. Follow Dateline NBC now to get new episodes every Tuesday. To listen ad-free, subscribe to Dateline Premium on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or DatelinePremium.com. Great storytelling with a twist from the True Crime Original. At 7.39 this morning on In-Depth Today, a new docuseries about the life and death of music icon Selena. It's uh, coming under fire from her family and fans for including new sit-down interviews with the star's convicted killer. NBC's entertainment correspondent Chloe Malas has this one for us. Chloe, good morning. Good morning, Craig. Selena was gunned down in a motel room in Corpus Christi, Texas in 1995 by her friend and employee, Yolanda Saldivar. Something Saldivar claims was an accident and motivated by secrets she helped Selena hide from her family. She was the queen of Tejano music, Grammy Award-winning singer Selena Quintanilla Perez. Now this morning, the woman behind her 1995 murder, Yolanda Saldivar, is drawing new controversy. With a two-part Oxygen true crime docuseries, Selena and Yolanda, The Secrets Between Them, airing this weekend. Saldivar making a series of bombshell claims, going on to say she did not intentionally kill Selena and dismissing the long-held belief she was embezzling money from Selena's fan club, instead claiming she was actually paying herself back from payments made to cover up the singer's alleged extramarital affair. Selena's father, Abraham Quintanilla, criticizing the docuseries, telling TMZ he wants absolutely nothing to do with Yolanda, since everything she says is nothing but lies. While fans also slammed the series for giving Saldivar a platform ahead of the 29th anniversary of Selena's death next month. Saldivar served as the president of Selena's fan club and manager of Selena's two clothing boutiques. In 1995, she was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison after fatally shooting the singer at a motel in Corpus Christi, Texas. According to court documents, Selena ran from the room toward the lobby of the motel, screaming, with Saldivar following an armed pursuit. Selena has been hailed as a trailblazer in the music industry for Latina crossover stars. Her rise to fame and tragic end immortalized in the hit 1997 film Selena, starring Jennifer Lopez. Now brought to attention once again, nearly three decades later. Oxygen is owned by our parent company, NBC Universal. Now, this series will also feature authorities who are at the scene of Selena's murder, including the hostage negotiator who spent nine hours on the phone with Saldivar before she surrendered. NBC News has also reached out to Selena's family for comment, but we have not yet heard back. And Saldivar, she's up for parole next year also. Thank you, Chloe. We appreciate it. 
All right, let's get another check of the weather. Look at Dylan. Hey, Dylan. Hey, good morning again, guys. We do have to keep an eye on California going into this weekend. We have a couple of atmospheric rivers with some storms that are going to make their way on shore. This one's going to impact central and northern California going into the weekend. And then that one is going to impact central and southern California by the time we get into the Monday to Wednesday time frame of next week. Right now, we're just starting to see some of that moisture come on shore along with the clouds, too. But it's really down through southern California where we do have those flood watches already issued because because we could see several inches of rain. In fact, we could see as much as two to four inches of rain around Los Angeles, closer to the coast. And then you go inland into the uh, the foothills and into the mountains where we could see up to eight inches of rain. But even across San Francisco, up across northern California, three, four inches of rain is possible. And then that translates to perhaps about one to two feet of snow in some of the higher elevations. And that's your latest forecast. All right, Dylan, thank you. Coming up, guys, we're going to take you inside that record-setting night for basketball. Basketball superstar Caitlin Clark, Harry Smith, was there at the stadium. He's got the many highlights. Wow, is right, Harry. We'll have that on Morning Boost coming up right after this. Carson's joining the party. Iowa superstar Caitlin Clark <laughs> with that that trademark logo three to Crazy. break the core the career scoring record last night. Well, it was thrilling to watch on TV, as you can imagine. Even better to be there. Uh, in the stands, our own Harry Smith scored a seat to history. He is still there. Look at him. Harry, tell us all about it. Unbelievable. This place was rocking last night. I mean, you could feel the building shake, and we had a ringside seat to basketball history. The great ones come to play, and last night, the University of Iowa's Caitlin Clark did not disappoint. As usual this season, Iowa's Carver-Hawkeye Arena was filled to capacity last night to see something rare and wonderful. Caitlin Clark, their oh-so-versatile superstar, was a mere handful of points away from setting a new NCAA career record. And minutes into the first quarter, she did it, broke it. The roar of the crowd sounded like the scream of jet engines. Wow. Clark bobbed and weaved her way through the Michigan defense and scored and scored and scored some more, finishing the night with, get ready, 49 points. A career high for Clark and a single-game high for Iowa, too. Clark's stellar play has won her fans from coast to coast. Last night, congratulations from teammates, family, and hometown fans, making it clear they want more. There's no doubt Clark is a fantastic shooter. She drains threes from most anywhere on the court. Her 32 points a game average leads the country, but she also leads the nation in assists. She dishes the ball to her teammates with pinpoint accuracy. Sensational. Would-be Caitlin's proudly don her number 22. Kids are crazy for her. And while her home court sells out, so too do her road games. Clark is also profiting from her prowess on the hard court. State Farm, Hy-Vee Supermarkets, and Nike are among her endorsements. Her earnings already estimated in the high six figures. And wouldn't it be fun if Clark surpassed the men's record put up by Pete Maravich? Pistol Pete is not out of reach. And there's a lot of season yet to come. So Caitlin Clark's numbers, 3,569. Pete Maravich, 3,668. There's four regular season games left in the season, and then the tournament comes. I don't know how she doesn't make beat Pete Maravich's record. And quite frankly, these were handed out last night. Every kid in America is going to want one of these on their wall. What does it say? 
break Let's it, see. you own it. You oh. break it, you, you own, own it. it. That, is, that is awesome. And I love Harry, how she's, she's leading and scoring, but she leads and assists, too. It just shows you, like, the kind of player yeah. she is. Yep. Right. Thank you, Harry. I, you know what? A complete game and to be able to sit here like this, this close on the baseline and yeah. watch last night. Unbelievable. That's awesome. Coolest. Yeah, coolest. That awesome. Thank you, Harry. Good point. You're right. Yeah. Her DNA is over yeah. all the points in the game. Every she scores or yes. dishes. Great, yeah. great. Uh, guys, they are calling it New Music Friday because we've got some major stars dropping some singles overnight. I'm going to have them all for you on Popstar. Popstar. 